0: Welcome to the coffee shop Vani, poet, short story writer, novelist, playwright, painter, educationalist, nationalist, several are the descriptions that fit Gurudev Rabindranath Tagore who strode the Indian literary scene like a colossus in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. We proudly present here Little Master's Return, an 1891 short story by the Literature Nobel Laureate. Translated by William Radis from the Bengali original Khokha Babur Pratthobartan.
1: Little Master's Return, Rabindranath Tagore. Rai was 12 when he first came to work in the house. He was from Jesso district and had long hair and large eyes, a slender boy with a gleaming dark skin. His employers like him were Kaisthas. His main duty was to help with looking after their one-year-old son, who in time progressed from Rai arms to school, from school to college, and from college to being munsif in the local court. Raicharan had remained his servant, but now there was a mistress as well as a master in the household and most of the rights that Raicharan had hitherto had over Anukul Babu passed to her. Although his former responsibilities were diminished by her presence, she largely replaced them with a new one. Her son to Anukul was soon born and was won over completely by the sheer force of Raicharan's devotion. He swung him about with such enthusiasm, tossed him in the air with such dexterity, cooed and shook his head in his face so vigorously, chanted so many meaningless random questions for which there could be no reply, that the very sight of Raicharan sent the little master into raptures. When the boy learned to crawl stealthily over a door sill, giggling with merriment if anyone tried to catch him, and speedily making for somewhere safe to hide, Raicharan was entranced by such uncommon skill and quickness of decision. He would go to the child's mother and say admiringly, Mom, your
2: son will be a judge when he grows up.
1: He will earn a fortune. That there were other children in the world who could, at this young age, dart over a dorsal was beyond Raicharan's imagination. Only future judges could perform such feats. His first faltering steps were amazing too and when he began to call his mother ma his pisima pishi and raicharan chana raicharan proclaimed these staggering achievements to everyone he met how astonishing it was that he should not only call his mother ma his aunt pishi but also raicharan chana really it was hard to understand where such intelligence had sprung from. Certainly no adult could ever show such extraordinary intelligence and people would be unsure of his fitness to be a judge, even if he could. Before long, Raicharan had to put a string around his neck and pretend to be a horse, or he had to be a wrestler and fight with a boy, and if he failed to let himself be defeated and thrown to the ground, there would be hell to pay. By now, Anukul had been transferred to a Patma River district. He had brought a pushchair from Calcutta for his son. Raya would dress him in a satin shirt, gold embroidered cap, golden bangles and a pair of anklets and take the young prince out in his pushchair twice a day for some air. The rainy season came. The Patma began to swallow up gardens, villages and fields in great hungry guts. Thickets and bushes disappeared from the sandbanks. The menacing gurgle of water was all around, and the splashing of crumbling banks and swirling, rushing form showed how fierce the river's current had become. One afternoon, when it was cloudy but did not look like rain, Raicharan's capricious young master refused to stay at home. He climbed into his pushchair, and Raicharan gingerly pushed it to the riverbank beyond the paddy fields. There were no boats on the river, no people working in the fields. Through gaps in the clouds, the sun could be seen preparing with silent fiery ceremony to set behind the deserted sand banks across the river. Suddenly, peace was broken by the boy pointing and calling Flowers, Channa, Flowers! A little way off, there was a huge Kadamba tree on a wet, muddy stretch of land with some flowers on its upper branches. These were what had caught the boy's attention. A few days previously, Raicharan had strung some flowers onto sticks and made him a Kadamba cart. He had had such fun pulling it along with a string that Raicharan did not have to put on reins that day, an instant promotion from horse to groom. was not very willing to scratch through the mud to pick the flowers he quickly pointed in the other direction and said look look at the bird flying now it's gone come bird come he pushed the chair forward fast burbling on this way but it was futile to try to distract by so simple a device a boy who would one day become a judge especially as there was nothing particular to attract his attention anywhere and imaginary birds would not work for very long. All right, said Raicharan. You sit in the chair and
2: I will get you the flowers. Be good now. Don't go near the water.
1: Tucking his dhoti up above his knees, he headed for the Kadamba tree. But the fact that he had been forbidden to go near the water immediately attracted the boy's mind away from the Kadamba flowers and towards the water. He saw it gurgling and swirling around as if a thousand wavelets were naughtily merrily escaping to a forbidden place beyond the reach of some mighty raicharan the boy was thrilled by their mischievous example he gently stepped down from his chair and edged his way to the water picking a long reed he leaned forward pretending the reed was a fishing rod The romping, gurgling wavelets seemed to be murmuring an invitation to the boy to come and join their game. There was a single plopping sound, but on the bank of the River in monsoon, spate, many such sounds can be heard. Rai Chiran had filled the fold of his dhoti with kadamba flowers. Climbing down from the tree, he made his way back towards the pushchair, smiling. But then he saw that the child was not there. Looking all around, he saw no sign of him anywhere. His blood froze. The universe was suddenly unreal, pale and murky as smoke. A single desperate cry burst from his breaking heart.
2: Master! Little master! My sweet, good little master!
1: But no one called out Channa in reply. No childish, mischievous laugh came back. The Padma went on rushing and swelling and gurgling as before as if it knew nothing and had no time to attend to the world's minor occurrences. As evening fell the boy's mother grew anxious and sent people out to search with the lanterns. When they reached the river bank they found Raicharan wandering over the fields like a midnight storm wind sobbing,
2: Master! My little master!
1: At last, he returned home and threw himself at his mistress's feet, crying in reply to all her questions, I don't know,
2: Ma. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Although everyone knew in their hearts that the patma was the culprit, suspicion fell on a group of gypsies encamped at the the village. The mistress of the house even began to suspect that Rayacharan had stolen the boy. So much so that she called him an entreated.
0: Bring back my child. I'll give you whatever money you want.
1: But Raicharan could only beat his bro, and she ordered him from her side. Anukul Babu tried to dispel his wife's unfounded suspicion. What motive could Raicharan have had for so vile an act?
0: What do you mean?
1: said his wife.
0: The boy had gold ornaments on him.
1: Rai went back to his home village. His wife had not borne him a child and he had long ceased to hope for one. But it so happened that before the year had ended, his ageing wife gave birth to a son and then soon afterwards died. At first Rai had nothing but hatred for the newly born child, who he felt had somehow taken the little master's place by deceit. It seemed a deadly sin to delight in his own son after allowing his master's only son to be washed away. If his without-sister had not been there, the child would not have breathed earth's air for long. Amazing it was, but after a few months the child began to crawl over the door sill and show a merry ability to evade all sorts of restrictions. He chuckled and wailed just as the little master had done. Sometimes when Raycharen heard him cry, his heart missed the beat. It was just as if the little master were crying somewhere for his lost Raycharen. Felna that was what Raicharan's sister called the boy, began in due course to call her Pishi. When Raicharan heard that familiar name one day, he suddenly thought, The little master
2: cannot do without my love. He has been born again in my house.
1: There were several convincing proofs in favor of this belief. First, there was a short interval between the death and the birth. Second, his wife could not, at so advanced an age, have conceived a son merely through her own fecundity. Third, the child crawled, toddled and called his aunt Pishi, just as the little master had done. There was much to indicate that he too would grow up to become a judge. Raya then remembered the strong suspicions the mistress of the house had had and he realized with astonishment that her maternal instinct had rightly told her that someone had stolen her son. He now felt deeply ashamed of the way he had neglected the child. Devotion took hold of him again. From now on, he brought him up like a rich man's son. He bought him satin shirts and a gold embroidered cap. His dead wife's ornaments were melted down to make bangles and bracelets for him. He forbade him from playing with the local children. All day long he himself was a child's sole playmate. Whenever they got the chance, the local boys would mock Felna for being a prince and the villagers marvelled at Raicharan's odd behaviour. When Felna was old enough to go to school, Raicharan sold his land and took the boy to Calcutta. With great difficulty, he found a job and sent Felna to a high-class school. He skimmed and scraped to get the boy good food and clothing and a decent education, saying to himself, if it was love for me
2: that brought you into my house, dear child, then you must have nothing but the
1: best." 12 years passed in this way. The boy did well at his studies and was fine to behold, sturdily built with a dark glossy complexion. He took great trouble over his hair. His tastes were refined and cultured. He could never think of his father quite as his father because Raichelin treated him with a father's affection but a servant's devotion. To his discredit, Felna never told anyone that Raycharen was his father. The students in the hostel where Felna lived were always making fun of the rustic Raycharen and it cannot be denied that when his father was not present, Felna too joined in the fun. But everyone was fond of the mild, doting Raycharen and Felna also loved him, but, to repeat, not quite as his father, affection was mixed with condescension. Raicharan grew old. His employer was perpetually finding fault with him. His health was deteriorating and he could not concentrate on his work. He was getting forgetful. But no employer who pays full wages will accept old age as an excuse. Moreover, the cash that Raicharan had raised by selling off his possessions was nearly at an end. Felna was always complaining now that he was short of proper clothes and luxuries. One day, Raicharan suddenly resigned from his job and giving Felna some money said, Something has happened. I need to go back to the village for a few days. He then set off for Barasad where Anukul Bapu was now Munsif. Anukul had had no other child. His wife still grieved for her son. One evening Anukul was resting after returning from the court while his wife at great expense purchased from a sannyasi a holy root and a blessing that would bring her a child. A voice was heard in the yard. Greetings, Ma. Who is there? Said Anukul Babu. Rai Charan appeared. I am Rai Charan, he said, taking the dust of his former master's feet. Anukul's heart melted at the sight of the old man. He asked him numerous questions about his present circumstances and invited him to work for him again. Rai Charan smiled weakly and said, let me pay my respects to Madhakrun. Anukul Babu took him through to the inner rooms of the house. His wife was not nearly so pleased to see Rajaran, but Rajaran took no notice of this and said with clasped hands, Master, Ma, it was I who stole your son.
2: It was not the Patma. It was no one else. It was I, ungrateful wretch that I am. What are you saying? said Anukul. Where is he? He lives with me, said Raicharan. I will bring him the
1: day after tomorrow. That was Sunday and the courts were closed. Husband and wife watched the road anxiously from dawn. At 10 o'clock, Raicharan arrived with Filna. Anukul's wife, without thought or question, drew him onto her lap, touched him, sniffed him, eyed his face intently, cried and laughed nervously. Truly, the boy was fine to look at. Nothing in his looks or dress suggested a poor background. There was a very loving, modest, bashful expression in his face. At the sight of him, anukul's heart too swelled with love. But keeping his composure, he asked, What proof have you? How can
2: such an act be proved? said Raichere. Only God knows that I stole your son. No one else in the world knows.
1: Anukul thought the matter over and decided that since his wife had embraced the boy as her own, With such fervour it would not be appropriate to search for proof now whatever the truth might be it was best to believe in any case how could raicharan have acquired such a boy and why should the old servant wish to mislead them now questioning the boy he learned that he had lived with raicharan from an early age and had called him father but that raicharan had never behaved towards him like a father he had been more like a servant Driving all doubt from his mind, Anukul said, But
2: Raicharan, you must not darken our doors again now.
1: With clasped hands and quavering voice, Raicharan replied, I am old now, master. Where shall I go?
0: Let him stay,
1: said the mistress of the house.
0: I have forgiven him. Let our son be blessed. He cannot be forgiven for what he has done,
1: said the righteous Anukul. I didn't do it, cried Raicharan, embracing his master's feet. God did it. Even angrier now that Raicharan should lay the blame for his own sin onto God, Anukul said,
2: One should not place trust in someone who has betrayed trust so heinously.
1: Rising from Anukul's feet, Raicharan said, It was not I, master. Then who was it? It was my fate. No educated man, could be satisfied by such an explanation.
2: I have no one else in the world.
1: Felna was certainly rather annoyed that Raycharen had stolen him, amun'sif's son, and dishonorably claimed him as his own. But he said generously to Anukul, Father, please pardon him. If you won't let him stay in the house, then give him a monthly allowance. Raycharen, saying nothing, looked once at his son and made an obeisance to all, and he went out through the door and disappeared into the world's multitude. At the end of the month, when Anugul sent a small sum to Raicharan at his village address, the money came back. No one of that name was known there.
0: You were listening to Little Master's Return, a short story by Rabindranath Tagore. Narration Biju Parmesharan Raicharan Jayashankar Haridas Anukul Babu Vinod Nair Anukul Babu's wife Bina Pillai Editing Bina Pillai Presented by The Coffee Shop